1: The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Sports radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Hey, welcome back to the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Nate Toit from the Des Moines Buccaneers momentarily. David Kaplan uh, from Chicago, ESPN One Thousand, NBC Sports uh, Chicago will join us in about oh, fifteen minutes or so. Bill Bender from the Sporting News as we take you up until noon. Good to see Nate Toyt in studio. We've uh, mentioned his story numerous times, and uh, Nate, I've brought you into the conversation. You know when we've been, I've been trying to find time to, and I'm guessing a lot of sports talkers across the country. It's football season, right? Right. Right. When a baseball story comes up, even though seemingly it's as big as this one is it kind of gets pushed to the back burner um you know here here's my problem with it all just the fact that the astros have been accused of cheating guys that you know that work their entire lives to get to the to get to the show and they happen to face the astros i mean the world series is one thing but guys that, you know, get that opportunity and get called in to face the Astros and the hitters know what's coming and, you know, they get shelled and maybe never get another opportunity again.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it's we we're talking off the air like there's I think that, that there's so much more to this that we even even know about. But the fact that there were some former players that came out and. And Mike kind of, fires and, and threw the Astros yeah. under the bus on this thing. Uh, obviously, they they knew that it was the, the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd be interested to see Major League Baseball does a full fledged investigation uh, on this and, and what comes out of it. But just a little bit that I saw of it and read about it, uh, saw the video of of you know the. Uh, the Astros hitting and then the opponent uh, and you could hear the banging of the Mm -hmm. of the trash can or the drum or whatever the device was that was coming from the the Astros dugout yeah exactly Um, and the fact that they were using a, a, a separate team camera to zoom in on the catcher to to find and to look at these signs which tells me if true so this was a premeditated attempt of stealing the signs right where People have been stealing signs in baseball forever. Right, forever. In fact, it was kind of an art to sit there, you know, during a game in the dugout and try to figure out the sequence of either the catcher or the pitcher, uh-huh. you know, and just little things, whether it's glove flapping or you know finger moving to try to steal signs, and that that was sort of. You know the unwritten rules that you could do that. This right. is completely different.
0: Now, you did you ever were you ever not accused? Did anybody ever tell you you're tipping your pitches?
2: Uh, actually, I did, uh, but I didn't learn about it until <laughs> you know <laughs> yes. after we were done playing that team. I had a buddy on the team uh, that would you know during batting practice he'd come out and he says, "Hey, just to let you know, um, whenever you would go in and grab your you know grip your change up, uh, you would flare your glove a lot wider than mm. you would on your on your slider or your fastball." and uh same thing happened with Ryan Dempster when he would go in for his his split finger and uh he tipped it and somebody ended up you know telling him hey look this is what you're doing and so when he started at the end of his career kind of going through this over exaggerated glove flapping you know that was almost annoying um the reason that he was doing that was because somebody tipped him so you know it's interesting what you find out you know after the fact yeah. but uh it's it's this whole thing with the Astros um the controversy that's, even though they've been World Series champions now, uh, the controversy that surrounds them on some of these things is just unbelievable.
3: Oh, they've had a
0: bad, yeah, that's for sure. And a the Astros, of
3: yeah, and they, they've had certainly a lot of other parameters here. I mean, you look at the way their tentacles of reaching. Everybody wants to hire an Astros guy. Right. How deep do you think this is, Nate? How deep into baseball? Is it just the Astros? Are we talking a dozen, half-dozen teams out there that are doing the same kind of thing? Uh, that's a really good cr- uh,
2: question, Trent. I don't know. Uh, the thing about it is, is typically in these situations, like, this has to go all the way up to the top. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of times, the, the cover-up is going to be worse than what the crime was, as, as we've found out a lot, a lot of times in this business, that the cover-up ends up being worse. Um, so, but look it's not the first time that somebody has thought about, hey, with technology now, I mean, what was it? It was Boston got nailed a couple years ago or accused of trying to steal signs from an iWatch or something along those lines, some device yeah. that's in the dugout, you know. But it was the be- third
3: base coach was wearing a iWatch out on the field
2: but because of the delay mechanism and you know everything else it just didn't work i mean this is we're talking about a fixed camera put in place specifically to steal signs in real time delay right with a with a action plan in place to announce to to let the hitters know now all the hitters i've played with in the past you know if you knew it was an off-speed pitch you you'd yell last name if if you uh thought it was a fastball you wouldn't yell anything at all you know and and so, you know, you're up to bat and all of a sudden you got the, somebody from the dugout yelling, Miller, you know, something like that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, it's an off-speed pitch. But a lot of times you wouldn't want to know that because it would make it worse. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden now you got you got things going through your head last second and you don't want to know that stuff. So
0: uh, Bucks in a second. One more on baseball. A contraction of minor league teams is going to affect us here in the state of Iowa, certainly not downtown Des Moines. Uh, I, on the surface, I mean, what's behind it? Baseball's making huge, huge money. Is it is it simply a money issue, Nate? Do you think? You know, it's
2: a, it's a really good question, and um, you know we got we got a couple prominent baseball figures here in, in town. Sam Burnaby being one yeah. of them, who's probably really close to this. I think he's he's sitting on the committee that is kind of is for he? the for the minor league side that note to self, is, is, is working uh, to working on the minor league side for this collective bargaining with Major yeah. League Baseball. Um, he also sits on the rules committee for Major League Baseball, so I'm sure he knows a lot about this and can't probably say much. Um, but I will say that um, it's interesting because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of minor league teams out there, and it's been it hasn't been a secret for a long time that they know they have to get better facilities because of the way Major League Baseball is going. Mm-hmm. And you know, not to get too too in deep on it, but just the way the transformation. Uh, from minor leagues 10 years ago to where it is today. Every minor league team now has a strength and conditioning coach. Every minor league team now has a nutritionist on board. Every minor league team now has not only a hitting coach, but an assistant hitting coach and a video coach and all this stuff, you know, And, and, and so the rosters are expanding. The analytics are getting better. The technology is getting better at the minor league level. And so, you know i i don't know if it's a way because they're investing so much money you know at the upper levels of their minor league franchises the triple a's the double a's and things like that that they're like hey look we need to cut some of the the red tape out meaning mm-hmm. the short season teams that you've read about um but at the same time i think that this is such a broad and a huge huge change um that i don't know that it's any of it's going to come to fruition at least at least by the time 2020 comes around, at the end of 2020, when the agreement runs up, that's a that's a lot to digest in a relatively short amount of time. We're talking 14 months.
3: Yeah, Burlington, Clinton, who else in the state? Ah, uh, Quad Cities also Eesh. was on that list. Uh, certainly, big impact there. Well, I'll let you guys finish up by nerding out on a little hockey here, <laughs> but uh, Mary's with me, and she says we got four four packs to give away to next Wednesday's match. Dubuque will be so in town th-
0: Wednesday before yes. Thanksgiving.
3: will be puck drop for that one. In fact, just call in right now. I got four four-packs, courtesy of Nate and Mary here, Des Moines Buccaneers, next Wednesday night. Give us a call at 284-5966, and we'll hook you up. All
0: right. So next Wednesday nights, the night before Thanksgiving, if you're looking for something to do, just don't call, please, if you can't use the tickets. But if you want to use these tickets, we have four four-packs right now, 284-5966. You want to go to Buccaneer Arena and see the Bucks the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. They are yours for the asking. All right. You got to rush it on the roster, which I, I love these kids. You're <laughs> Yaroslav Alexiev, I believe is how you say his name.
2: Close enough. Close yeah.
0: enough, right? Uh, so, how is he? How is he's, he's older, right? Older guy on the roster. Yep. It's not like I'm guessing he's been here over here for a while. But how difficult language-wise is it for him to, you know, to get familiar with the surroundings and the language, et cetera?
2: Uh, not too bad, honestly. And I met him early uh, in preseason when when we got him to come on. The unfortunate thing is his. He had a really solid uh, camp, preseason camp for us, and uh, a really solid preseason as far as games go. And then he had a high ankle sprain, uh, and uh, in hockey, those things are extremely uh, difficult to to mitigate, especially when you know, obviously you need you need that, and yeah. for his for his size, his speed, and what he can do on the ice. Uh so, we haven't seen much of him because he's been injured, and so uh but he's definitely one of the guys that we highlighted uh when we got him coming into the season and can be a game changer for us. the fact that we're soul we're in sole second place right yep. now with the team that we have. Um, and we haven't had him for much of that stretch. It's exciting to see what, what's going to happen when we get him back.
0: Uh, Nate Toitz, the president of the uh, Des Moines Buccaneers. Uh, Schedule-wise, we, we know you guys are going to be in town on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and the tickets are going very quickly. We appreciate folks calling in to, uh, to grab those. Uh, you got some home games coming up?
2: We do. We got a busy end uh, to November here, so starting this Friday night, uh, 7.05 puck drop um it's the number one question i've been getting from our loyal fan base since i took the job and it's when are you going to have buck beer um hmm. you know and i i always said i would stay away from it but i figured what the heck you people know, have spoken they it's play. our uh this is our 40th anniversary season uh nice. this year so i figured let's bring it back and 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 at least for one game and see what happens so i'm going to do buck beer this friday night 705 yep. uh one dollar twelve ounce draft beers, domestics. Uh, actually, three dollar twelve ounce craft beers uh, through the uh, first intermission. So as soon as that puck drops in the second second period, it it'll bit. be it'll idea. be over. Um, yep. And then we uh, we follow that up with a game on Saturday night six oh five, um, in which uh, uh, you know that's a new time slot for us. Yeah, and how's that going, working? It's out? been going really good. good. I think people are starting to catch on to that. Uh, and then next week. Uh, we've already talked about the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving on the 27th, uh, 6.35 puck drop, but up in the lounge, we're going to do something kind of fun. I'm going to have a uh, Robbie Michael Band up there playing some, some live music before the game, uh, Confluence, who just came on board with us. We're going to do a fun uh tapping of a golden keg there for a buck nice. brew um, Oh, they, they named one after you yeah, yeah so we're gonna do that uh before the game up in the lounge and we're gonna have some beer specials uh prior to the game hopefully get people's holiday kicked off the right way and then friday night uh to cap off november we're gonna do a black friday event uh we're gonna do some buck shop merchandise specials on black gear that we're doing and then we're doing a blackout in the arena black jerseys nice. and then uh um, black shells and all that kind of stuff. So, with a jersey auction to follow.
0: Buckshockey.com for all the information. Hey, uh, stop by anytime. You know, let us reach out to you. You got, you got some hockey fans at uh, 10 to noon. We're happy to help you out, okay? I
2: appreciate you having me on. Good, good always appreciate it. Uh,
0: Nate Toyt, president of the uh, Des Moines Buccaneers. David Kaplan from Chicago next. Uh, Bill Bender still to come. Trent and I take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 14. 14- you. Come on. As we continue in the 11 o'clock hour, still to come, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll take a look back at the uh, college football playoff announcement week number three last night with Bill. But right now, it's time to head to Chicago. He's David Kaplan, brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cappy, Trenton Ken, happy belated birthday. Cap, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you, boys. Yeah, it was fun. I had dinner with my wife, my brother, and his wife. It was great. That's good Greek food. My wife's Greek, so it was a fun
0: night. Good stuff, Cap. Uh, again, uh, uh, appreciate you coming on, as always. Look, you know, a lot of ground to cover. I guess we should start with the Bears and want to go back to uh, the hip injury that was announced late in the football game, seemingly after he was pulled. there been no mention of the Bears coming out of the locker room at halftime. Is, is this legit, Cap, Is this, or is this Matt Nagy... Uh, Not covering up necessarily, but um, making it a little bit easier on his quarterback as far as how the fans will perceive him. What's going on with the hip?
1: He definitely was injured, 100%. No doubt. In fact, Olin Kruitz, who I advise everyone to follow on Twitter, uh, tweeted out some video yesterday. Olin uh, is a tough guy. I mean, they didn't come tougher than this guy. And Olin said, respect and he showed a video clip short one of Mitch rolling and you could tell he can't even plant that he's just all arm can't even drive through the football and this guy was hurt but the bears for whatever reason do nothing to help themselves you got Al Michaels go back and listen to what he says and the bears PR has told us nothing right so are you you're letting your quarterback who is getting ripped by everybody nationally and locally. You're putting him in a tough position. You don't run the offense to his strengths, rolling him out, getting him on the move. Now he's hurt, and you let Chris Collinsworth go, well, is this the <clears throat> end of Mitchell Trubisky? Are we seeing you know him being benched? They have no idea, and that's just unconscionable. So, yeah, he was hurt,
3: 100%. You know, the, uh, the biggest uh, show that was... Nagy taking him aside, talking to him, talking in his ear. Cap, if you were in that spot, you were Nagy, what would you be saying to Mitchell Trubisky?
1: Uh, (laughs) Look, I need you to be honest with me here. If you're hurt, you're doing us no favors. We'll live to fight another day because we are probably not winning this football game. And we've got your back here. Be honest with me. I appreciate you being a tough guy, Mm -hmm. but guess what? We need to know right now. Can you go? And if he says, No, I'm hurt, okay, that's it. You're hurt. And I, again, I cannot believe that they don't do a better job protecting their own guy. Mm. I find that very disappointing.
0: Cap, we'll, uh, we've got weeks ahead to talk about what's going to happen after the season regarding Ryan Pace and regarding Matt Nagy, and I'm assuming they're uh, joined at the hip if one goes, or certainly if, if Pace goes, uh, Nagy goes, but we got weeks to get to that point. But what about the quarterback going forward? Does he play against the Giants? Uh, you know, look, they, they know Chase Daniel's not the answer. Uh, how are they going to approach the final six weeks uh, of the regular season?
1: Uh, I... Think If Mitch is healthy, Mitch is going to play. And Matt made that clear. Hey, he's our quarterback. He's our starter. Arkish asked him, and he made it clear. That's our guy. So if that's the case, if that's your guy, and if he's healthy, he plays. And you got to know at the end of the year, do we have anything here? Can we save him if we get a better O-line, we get him a tight end, and we fix the... Holes that are on this offense that are obvious to everyone. And if he's not the answer, well, then you got to go out and try and fix it on the fly and get a better quarterback because you don't have capital to trade. You're not at the top of the first round despite a bad record, potentially. So you can't draft whoever the great quarterback is, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or whoever it is that you want. So uh, there's multiple ways they can fix this. I don't, I do not see a scenario where Trubisky is not in camp as the Bears quarterback, but he might, and again it's a might, be competing with a veteran for the job.
3: Well, of course, Mitchell Trubisky's at the top of the headlines, but I guess below the fold, Khalil Mack shut out of the game mm-hmm. only the third time in his career. He doesn't record a, an official statistic in the game. He's been in a slump here. What's going on in your mind with Khalil Mack?
1: Uh, I think if you go back, because I said that to Dave once, that, and Dave said to me, look, Here's the deal. He said, go back and watch the tape. They ran 36 times out of 54 plays. So that means there's only 18 dropbacks. Of those 18, they either rolled Goff out away from Mac, or they ran a speed throw like a screen pass or a quick two-step drop, phew, falls out. So he's got no chance there. So they were all of six pass plays the entire night where Khalil Mack would have had a potential at a sack opportunity or a pressure opportunity. And of those six, go back and watch. I think there were four times he was at least doubled, if not tripled. There was one where they ran the left tackle, hit him, a back going out, drilled him, and then the left guard slid over and hit him again. So he's getting triple teamed. But that means Leonard Floyd, Nick Williams, Eddie Goldman, those guys, Roy Robertson-Harris, Bilal Nichols they got to make plays. they got to get to the quarterback. So I think we're probably all being a little hard on Khalil Mack.
3: Matt Nagy, of course, an offensive coach, comes over from Kansas City after just one year as a play caller. He talked about moving the pocket, trying to play to Trubisky's strengths. This guy was the toast of the town. He was pushing all the right buttons. The offense was doing all kinds of different things. What's changed as a play caller in your mind out of Matt Nagy this year?
1: Uh I think Matt's having a bad year but he's also yeah, he you know a guy who's sitting there going, "Boy, my quarterback's not very good. My offensive line stinks. We can't run the football. Every time I look up, we're missing a field goal." <laughs> you add all of it together, <laughs> you know, it, you know it, it's amazing, but if you had a decent kicker. Decent, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, I'll you win the Chargers game, yeah, and you probably win the Rams game because you, you're you up at least 9 nothing. I mean, yeah. come on, man. This, this is a major league. This is the NFL. This is pro football. you got to make those kicks. He misses one. Now, oh, I don't want to try this one again. So we go for it on fourth and nine. Don't make it. Now get the ball back, and he misses another one. That's a minimum of nine points. Minimum. You should have had a seventeen nothing lead in that game and it's a totally different football game. But instead you don't and you lose the football game. So that has all got to get cleaned up. Gotta get fixed
0: Cap, I want to switch to baseball and the Cubs in a second, but I, I think that uh, we are um, in the throes of one of the bigger stories in sports this year, maybe in some while. Um, I get Tiger winning the Masters, probably the story of the year, but this Astros things to me in the cheating, granted it didn't happen or it did happen this year, but not to the extent as far as winning a World Series. I think this is a huge story. I wonder how it's going over in Chicago City with two Major League Baseball teams. It, admittedly, it's football season, it's Bears season, and the MLB's on the back burner, but I think this is a big story. Is it getting the coverage it deserves?
1: It's not, and I agree with you. 1,000%. This is a huge story. You've got you know, a team, and now Paul Sullivan posted something the other day that some security guard at Wrigley said, yeah, back in 2013, I saw this cord running from the dugout, and I didn't know where it was going, and as soon as the game was over, they pulled the cord down. So, you know, who knows? It could have been harmless. It could have been, you know, for something for another reason and nothing nefarious. But all I know is that you've got multiple teams that are saying, yeah, we knew something was going on. you Darvish getting apologies now from Dodger fans going back on, yeah, you we were wrong, man, that you aren't tipping pitches. And he went back. I just read that Chase Utley was asked, by Andrew Friedman, the Dodger uh, head of baseball operations. I want you to go back and watch both of Darvish's starts in L.A. or in Houston in the World Series, and I want you to tell me if he's tipping his pitches. And I'll at least said not one, mm. not one. So obviously something nefarious was going on. I just hope the commissioner has the temerity to, I mean, drill them. Drill them. Everything should be had. If this was college sports, what would they do? Just like they did to John Calipari for whatever his transgressions were at UMass or at Memphis. Mm-hmm. The banner goes down. Mm-hmm. You lose. I would love for them to do that.
3: You know, and you, Darvish, obviously a guy that you know very well now, Cappy. <laughs> I mean, think of how much money that cost him during that offseason. If he pitches like he did the rest of the season with the Dodgers in that World Series... We're talking a guy that probably makes another, what, $20, 30000000 in the open market. Just absolutely incredible. Hey, I want to get your perspective on this. Off-season's here. There's a ton of Cubs storylines, but is Chris Bryant, what they're going to do with him? Is that the biggest of the offseason season for the Cubs?
1: Uh, I would say who they move is a huge story. Jeff Passan was on our podcast yesterday at NBC Sports Chicago and said, he thinks Chris absolutely could be on the move, and then the Cubs could be in play on Anthony Rendon. I don't see that. I would be surprised. It'd be great, but I would be surprised if Anthony Rendon's in and Chris Bryant's out. I don't think the Cubs are ready to commit a $300 million contract, $250 million, whatever the number is. I think that they are going to go back to each guy they want and go, okay, here's the deal. Trent, we want to give you six years at X. You don't want it? Okay, thanks. Get on the phone and go, he's available. Ken, how about you? Nope, I'm going to play it out. Good, he's available. That's how they're going to do this. There's going to be a checklist. And if nobody wants their money, they're moving them out.
0: Cap, you reported last week on uh, what you speculating that uh, it's going to co- cost the Cubs to re-up uh, Javier Baez. Apparently, there has been some conversation. What can you tell us, and what kind of numbers uh, do you envision it's going to keep? Are t- t- it's going to take to keep Baez in the fold?
1: Uh, I did that from a very informed perspective because I talked to a former general manager of another team, and he took me through it and said, "Here's." how this is all going to break out here it is and that's what they're going to have to pay him that's he'll give them something back the next two years because they're buying out his arbitration but then they're going to have to step up if they want him to go long term and we got to that number at 23 million and he said that's saving the cubs money He said because if he hits free agent free agency he's going way north of that so we'll see how it all works out if the cubs put that offer on the table, I think Javi
0: takes it. Uh, Trent's got one more for you, but real quick, Cap, I do too. Uh, White Sox, apparently they're in play. Boris has said that the White Sox are open for business. That's got to be good news for the Southsiders fans.
1: I think the White Sox are the most interesting story because if they do go out and get Anthony Rendon or Garrett Cole, I'm not saying they will, if they do, well, then they're in play on anybody because it means they're open for business and that they're trying to win right away. I'm not convinced that they're a, this year that they're going to be a contender. I think they're still another year away. But if they do land a big fish or they make a huge splash in the trade market, training prospect capital, look out.
3: Finally, Cap uh, Illinois making their way over to Iowa City. The I bull eligible for the first time under Lovey Smith. Any buzz at all in Chicagoland about Lovey's Boys?
1: No, not really.
3: <laughs>
1: I mean, a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's some Illini fans that are, got their sweatshirts out of the drawer that they've been sitting in for years. Yeah. But it's not like talk radio is talking Illini football. We yeah. just, this town, I mean, we talk bears and everything else is up to track.
0: Hmm. That's it. Cappy again, belated happy birthday from your listeners here in Central. I appreciate you coming on, as always, Cap. We'll talk to you in a week's time. You guys are the best. Thank you, Cap. Good to talk to you. David Kaplan, Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. Centurion Stone of Iowa. I'll give you the address area here. Come here. Well, I'll do it right now. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. That's where their showroom is at. And what are you going to see? Well, you're going to see a place where you can go to update or your exterior interior project of any size. Centurion Stone has a huge variety of styles, patterns and colors. In fact, over 200 color and pattern combination. Centurionstoneofiowa.com is where you can see uh, what they've got going on their website. And again, stop by the showroom. 5525 5 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. We appreciate them making uh, making it possible for us to speak with Cappy on a weekly basis. So Trubisky apparently was more than just having his feelings hurt. Um, yeah. Apparently there is something there with that hip. How do you, you're a Bears fan, how do you want to see this
3: team handle the rest of the year? Do you, do you just put him in there just yeah. Yeah. to he, see what you've got? I mean, there's no choice, right? Chase Daniel's not the guy. No, he's not the future there. It, the only, I think the only direction you could go in, go with Chase Daniel. Is if you're trying to figure out the rest of the offense, you know who comes back and Taylor Gabriel and Shaheen and guys like that that you haven't had a good look at and put at least a a professional quarterback out there that has done it. But I, I how injured is he? You know, are he hurt or are you injured? That that old line, like you said, I think more than anything it was the feelings being hurt. There was he banged up, yeah. But at this point in the season in November, is almost every NFL player pretty banged up? Yeah, uh- I, I'm sure you could. If performance is really an issue with any player out there. I'm sure you can find an injury and say, "Ah, sorry, he can't go. What about, uh, here's one that's been popping up a lot, Trent, a name as as of,
0: oh, certainly the last few days. And I think it probably leads back to Matt Nagy and Alex Smith were together in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Alex Smith is going through his rehab. It was, it was about a year ago that he suffered that just gruesome injury. He's not going to be the guy in Washington if he's I mean he's going to be cut at the end of the season, you would assume. What about that? Does, of, of all the quarterbacks that are out there and granted he's coming off an injury that and you know guys at his age, you don't know how close they're going to be to be getting back. But when Alex Smith um, is healthy, Alex Smith's
3: a decent quarterback. I mean, he's not a top 10 quarterback in the league mm-hmm. anymore, but he was really good, Trent, for a long time. He was. You know, that, that's an intriguing one, not to be crass, but is he even walking yet? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, just he's just started the right. rehab. I saw him running and throwing on a field. He was on a treadmill. I mean, he's still got a long way to recover. Yes, I,
3: I, I saw... I think his
0: wife put something yeah, on Instagram, yep.
3: but maybe within the next last day or two, uh, about that injury and and he one of the clips was him still with crutches on. Mm-hmm. So it's just absolutely devastating. If you do, you can't count on him to be your starter, can you? I I don't think you can't bring him in and he be the only guy. No, I mean I think you got to keep Trubisky.
0: But I think that might be the the veteran. Because, I mean, seriously, how much money can Alex Smith command at this point? Mm -hmm. He's made tens of millions of dollars. He has to know what the market uh, is or isn't going to be for him. One year, $10 million deal. Yeah, something (laughs) like that. That's a name to watch. Anyways, we will uh, take a timeout. We'll come back. Bill Bender's going to join us. As we talked a lot about earlier in the program, college football playoff rankings are out. Bill Bender's going to join us. We'll opine on that. As we take you up until noon here, it's Miller & Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 14 On 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get right to them. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joins the program. We will get inside last night's college football playoff rankings. Brought a good piece on Oklahoma and the Big 12's chances. Uh, but as he teased us last week, in advance of joining us here today, the college football uh, top players, college top 10 college football players of all time, 54 uh, people voted in it, of which Trent and I were two of those 54. The list is out, SportingNews.com. Bill, Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you?
4: Yeah, and thank you for voting on that. It's live on the site, and create, sure to create a few Thanksgiving week arguments next week. But um, it's an exercise, and for me to look at all the ballots, I think you know what you guys. I think we nailed it. It's a
0: pretty good top ten. No, it really is. Uh, you know, I'm embarrassed that the guy voted number 1 finished 20th overall. Terrible pick. <laughs> yeah, but, nah, I'm sticking with it. Maybe not number 1 overall, but I'm going to stick with my Cam Newton thing. But uh, here's the top five. I don't want to spoil it. I want people to go to SportingNews.com and read it for themselves. Herschel Walker won. Uh, kind of ran away with it. 31 first place votes. Tim Tebow, 2. Barry Sanders, 3. Bo Jackson, 4. Archie Griffin, 2-time Heisman winner, 5. We'll leave it at that, and you can. Uh, uh, SportingNews.com but uh, Herschel Walker were you surprised Bill that he was overwhelmingly uh, anointed the best college football player of all time?
4: Well we had voters from every region so yeah I mean just to see that gap between him and Tim at second and um, you know it is a running back heavy list but I think the 150 year history of the sport that is the position that's dominated the most so it makes sense to have that many running backs but the, the thing that made me happiest is there's some football players in that top ten yeah. and the honorable mention. There's guys like Jim Thorpe and Charles Woodson. And uh, Tommy Frazier, I don't even consider him a quarterback. He was a football mm-hmm. player. Right. And uh, for him to be to, to make the top ten was probably the most gratifying because that recognizes that the number one thing that's important for a quarterback is he's a winner. And Tommy Frazier and Tim Tebow are probably the two biggest winners I can ever remember.
3: One guy that I guess I struggled with, and maybe it's just going back and looking at things. I know Archie Griffin was the only two-time Heisman winner, but I don't know. I, I watch old highlights of him. He just he looks like kind of any other running back. He was never special to me. I never saw him in person, never saw him play during that time period. You're an Ohio guy, though. Help me out here, a guy I didn't have my top ten, Archie Griffin, who finished at number 5.
4: 31 straight 100-yard games is the more impressive statistic. Oof. Wow. than two Heismans. Think about that. 31 straight time. That's I mean, crazy. every running back we've seen has had that off night. Remember, like Leonard Fournette had that off night. Archie never had that off night. I think he's kind of represents that list, too. I think the other thing with this top 10, 10 great ambassadors for the sport. Mm, yeah, I mean, Archie's always been great great uh, ambassador. I know the two Heisman tag gets put on him so much, but he's so good. And, um, yeah, I was cool with him there. I know the other running backs, I mean, yeah, like Barry Sanders and Bo Jackson, are one-of-a-kind talents, and um, Barry in particular. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, that we got it right. And, um, no, even Red Grange made the list. So, I mean, it's it's really cool. The yeah, you guys made me proud, man. The people I had vote on this thing made it look pretty darn
0: good. Yeah, look, and I'll speak for the two of us. We put we put some thought into it, and we're grateful you reached out uh, to us. So let me the last thing on this when I get to the playoff rankings uh, as as we know them here today was Randy Moss, as we know it today, the highest rated group of five. Was he the was he the highest one on the list? He came in. Uh, where was he? Nineteen.
4: No, yeah, I don't think Carlisle plays anymore. So, I mean, Thorpe was up there for them. But uh, I'm making a joke, but I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, I think Randy was, and he was just different. And that's the, the common thread. So we have 10 on the top 10 and then 16 names, including Cam, that were like, I put, like, they had 20 or more votes, so I gave them an honorable mention. And I was thinking about it, that, you know, whether it's Leroy Selman or Vince Young, or, you know, the, probably the most dominant player I saw on that list was probably Orlando Pace to be honest with you, because I don't know that I've ever seen an offensive lineman quite like him since. No. And uh, you know, but but it was fun to see all those names on there. I'm sure people can argue about number one all they want, um, but yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I, and I was honestly surprised Charles Woodson got as many votes as he did because I've I that's where I had him. About five, I think I had him five. Um, yeah, because I, I would make the argument that between NFL and college. Charles Woodson might be the greatest football player of all time.
3: He was awesome. (laughs) He He, he, Top to bottom. One guy uh, that didn't get the top ten, he was on my list, Derek Thomas, who I remember at Alabama. I remember how dominant he was. And then I was looking at some numbers. Dude had 27 sacks (laughs) in an era of football where it's not like today where you're chucking around 50 times a game. 27 sacks. Derek Thomas I should have probably put higher on my list.
4: Yeah, he's one that, a couple of the SEC guys I, I know had really high. And then, you know, like Reggie White doesn't get a lot of votes. right? So it's, it's what they did in college, and I think people stuck to that pretty well. Um, you know, uh, Tony Dorsett's another one that I probably didn't appreciate much until I looked back at his numbers and then his highlights. And then, you know, Mike DeCoursey's on our staff, and he's telling me all these things. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't appreciate him as much. And some of it's style. Like, to me, my dad's favorite running back was always Earl Campbell. So, like, I kind of judge running backs off of Earl Mm. Campbell in a lot of ways because, to me, I'd rather watch a running back run somebody over than run around. (laughs) But other people would, would go with somebody else, maybe.
0: Yeah, me. I was Eric Dickerson the way he ran the football, oh, yeah. and even back when I was a real young kid watching O.J. Simpson on the weekly highlights because I don't think we got college football weekly in Canada, but we got the weekly Saturday wrap-up show. Anyways, Bill, let's get into uh, here and now in college football. And your piece came up very quickly after the announcement uh, regarding the uh, the Big Twelve. Boy, that path is going to be difficult for the Big Twelve. Oklahoma ranked nine today. Should they be nine? And and um, I mean, nothing's changed since you wrote that i'm assuming 12 hours ago or whatever it is it's going to be tough for the big 12
4: yeah i think so and and that's you know it's part of the game i get it but um yeah i I think oklahoma should have been a spot or two higher and they're almost being treated with this trend that i'm seeing of when you beat a team it's being almost treated Um, oklahoma got that they still beat Iowa state they still beat i mean i heard galloway talking on the the show last night about how they weren't impressive against Baylor. Well, the second half was pretty impressive to come back from twenty-five down on the road. So, I mean, I give more credit for winning the game than falling into the hole in a place where Baylor was in an all-in situation.
3: I, I was sick of last night. I was watching your alma mater for a little bit as they're throttling Bowling Green. You know these MAC games, we have fun because it's football. When we don't have football on during the week of November, is this the best thing for the MAC? Though is they try to become relevant the Mac this year is incredibly down the way that it's set up the way they do things overall do you think this is the best case that the Mac can be at the FBS level
4: yeah I mean because it's visibility I've talked to John Steinbrecher about it he's an you grad you know this is the way to pay the bills for other yeah. sports mm-hmm. too and um it does get them exposure I know some people get annoyed with it I'm sure the players get annoyed with it and the fans of those schools I mean I that my biggest complaint about it is as an OU grad I mean If I wasn't writing about college football on Saturday, it would be tough to get down to a game during the week. Um, And I enjoy going down to campus on a Saturday, you know, take my kids and have fun that way. So I get that. And the crowd, crowds have not been big. And I think that's one thing. to Like at BGOU game last night, there was hardly anybody there. So... It, it, it makes it tough on that part of it.
0: Uh Bill I assume you're going to be uh, in the shoe this week senior day Penn State pays a visit as an 18 point underdog which I guess is right numbers wise but it just seems like wow is Ohio State really just shy of three touchdowns better than seemingly arguably the second best team in the entire conference not just in the east um, give us a give a, how could Penn State keep this close will they keep this close and if so how do they do it
4: not have a bunch of three and outs in the first quarter when Ohio State tends to knock teams out early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, have consistent drives, have Sean Clifford have the best game of his year, a career. I mean, the last five games, they've won four of them. They have a 56% completion percentage. You cannot beat Ohio State as a one dimensional team. Wisconsin found that out. So I still think Michigan's going to be the tougher game for them. Not just because mm-hmm. it's on the road. I just think. I've been watching Michigan the They're getting better. They play, they play like they did last week. I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State by any means, but they'll challenge them.
3: You know, we've talked so much about the Pac-12, their path and the possibility of jumping Alabama, Georgia, if they take a loss in the SEC and sneak it in there as the fourth team. Who do you think's more likely to take a loss before that championship game, though? Utah or Oregon before we get to championship Saturday? Or Friday for the Oregon's Pac-12? Got,
4: Oregon's got a little trap game this weekend at Arizona State. I think, you know, Herm and that offense has struggled, but it's still in Tempe, so they can't really look ahead. I think Utah, I thought UCLA would run with them, but they, they've no. gotten the message. Their yep. defense is playing great, and um, I think the Pac-12 champ is going to get in the playoff if they both finish 11-1 and one in the regular season, hmm. because it'll be impossible to ignore, and I think Oregon checks a lot of boxes. You know, They're fast, good quarterback, good defense, and All of those things tend
0: to add up. Uh, Bill, last thing for you, Bill Benner from the Sporting News, SportingNews.com. The list is out. Uh, top uh, 10 foot, uh, college football players of all time. You can see where some of your guys rank. Uh, D'Antonio has Rutgers this week, and then Maryland the fall, the final week uh, to get to that six wins. They sit at four and six. It seems like it's over in East Lansing. I think you've been kind of reluctant to go there just yet, but uh, is it starting to look more and more likely that you know maybe in the D'Antonio era is coming to an end? Or is that its I mean, end?
4: Well, this offseason has got to be about a, a philosophical change within that program. That you know they found out that Saturday was the, the kind of the wake up call because that was really the first time Michigan's blown him out, and that gets people's attention. And um, you know they'll get to a bowl game. I think they'll win their next two. Right. Um, but yeah, they need to. It, I, I think the biggest takeaway over the last couple seasons is that Michigan State is now officially down the pecking order behind not just ohio state obviously but penn state michigan are better programs right now and better you know and i would say wisconsin's a better program and iowa and michigan state are probably i mean it's a toss-up michigan state used to be ahead of them but i would say i wouldn't say one's that much better than the other Iowa's probably better
0: Good stuff, Bill Bender. Thank you again for including Trent and I in college football's 150, top 150 players of all time. Sportingnews.com is where you can see it. Bill, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Hey, sounds good. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. All right, Murph and Andy coming your way at 2. The Fanatics will be here at 4, and then the Morning Rush will start things all over tomorrow morning at 6. Miller and Condon, 10 to noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX.